0: Welcome, Traveler, to Dungeons and Dialectics, the
1: synthesis of tabletop role playing games, philosophy, and theology.
0: Hey, Matt, how's it going? Doing alright, Joe. Just uh, having a leisurely Saturday. Leisurely? Leisurely. But, Matt! Oh. Have you not heard the news? The news is the guys want to play a board game with me in about a half an hour that has a 30-minute instructional video. Can you believe this bullshit? No,
1: fuck that. <laughs> fuck that, Matt. Don't play with them. I'm not going yeah. to. Out of protest. It's a, it's,
0: a, it's a big protest.
1: Yes. So, Matt, as you know, just yesterday, the drama surrounding the open gaming license of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition was finally resolved.
0: Uh, Well, it... it
1: I th- they're gonna, they're gonna try again. Come on, these these <laughs> fucks. There's no way. <laughs> oh ye, ye of little faith. Yeah. What if? Um, now some of uh, some of our audience members may not have been following this quite as closely as you and I have. Mm-hmm. Matt, why don't you give us a quick summary of everything that's happened up till this point?
0: Well, Joe, uh, when we started recording this, the first thing I said to you was, Joe, I'm gonna follow your lead and react to everything you say. And this is where I'm leading and you. When I, and when I said that, I didn't think you meant give a complicated summary of the entire situation. <laughs> I said give a simple summary. Simple summary. Okay. Well, let me see if I can hum a few. Can you hum a few bars? No. Um, <coughs> they, uh, you know, they tried to revoke the license that allowed all of these other companies to make uh, material based on the D and D rules and using D and D stuff, basically. And uh, everybody's yeah. pissed as fuck, and rightly so. And uh, now they claim that they're not going to undo the open game license after intense furor, probably stock drops, and when a, I'm sh- <laughs> I'm sure because their movies about to come out too. I'm sure I'm sure yeah. someone at Paramount said, "What the hell are you doing? This movie's about to come
1: <laughs> out." I know it was a it was a disaster on so many levels. Forty thousand people. Uh, canceled their subscriptions to wow. d d Beyond and they were openly advocating for boycotting the d d movie. Well, you know what? So, I didn't
0: cancel my subscription and I wasn't going to boycott the d d movie. You want to know why?
1: Because because neither of those are things that you do anyway?
0: Yeah, I was definitely not going to see this movie. Wait, And I don't have a subscription. Why? Because I barely go to the movies anymore anyway. I just oh. sit on my ass. I see.
1: I see, I see. Well, you know what they have in the movie theaters?
0: Popcorn? Seats. Oh. For asses. Well, okay. I should say I lie on my ass. Maybe if they put, you know, like recliners, like they used to do at Greek symposia, I could be bothered uh, yes. to go to the movies.
1: Yes, indeed. Then, then, then we could get you out there
0: and have their minimum wage employees feeding me grapes and you know, <laughs> what have you.
1: That's that's the dream. That's a dream. Um, yeah. So, fantastic summary. They tried to revoke the license Thank and you. replace it with 1.2, uh, the open gaming license 1.2, which is. Terrible, uh, and was extremely restrictive, and even even had a part in it where you you agreed to license over your um, any content you produced to Wizards of the Coast, and that you couldn't create any virtual tabletops using their rules. So virtual
0: tabletop part, although maybe like less egregious compared to the other things for for the people you know who are concerned about this stuff, that strikes me as like really extra prudentially bad from a business perspective because. I understand that they're trying to get their own virtual tabletop off the ground, but mm-hmm. no one's really has a super elegant design in these yet. So by shutting no. down competition, they're kind of squelching innovation in that space. You know?
1: Yes. No. It was the it this entire thing. This is what we tweeted out about it, Matt. Just for, yeah. for your edification, we said oh this: own. what a of Twitter. Co- <laughs> what a colossal waste of time and money to get back to basically. Square One, where the Open Game License version 1.0 is still in effect. This is the nice one that we liked. And, 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 Matt, they have released the entire system reference document. So that's all of the basic rules that appear in the Dungeon Master's Guide, Player's Handbook, and Monster Manual to the Creative Commons. Oh, wow. So now it's under a Creative Commons license, with the exception of, uh, of product identity like Mind Flayers, or Beholders, or any of the the really original Dungeons right, & right, right. Dragons um, IP.
0: I mean, it's not really back to square one, because it's more like back to square negative one, because although <laughs> this, it may now have a Creative Commons license, I mean, I don't really know what the law is around that. I guess that's better than what there was mm-hmm. before. Well, there's, the, a, there's a lot of burnt goodwill here, you know?
1: There is, there is. The advantage to a Creative Commons license is it's not is that once it's in the creative commons you can't you can't retract it.
0: Oh, it's irrevocable. Okay.
1: It's irrevocable. You can't retract it because now it's 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 run by or like the I don't really understand it. It's run by some <laughs>
0: communists in the government, you know. Exactly. Some libs out there <laughs> are taking care of it.
1: So you can't you can't change that. Yeah. Um, okay. So the advantage now is that you have the option to use either the OGL 1.0 published by Wizards of the Coast or you have the Option to use the SRD as printed in the Creative Commons, which uh, I believe you have to attribute. Um, you just have to attribute it to them. Um, I see. So
0: you can't do what they do with uh, Pathfinder, where it's they're using the, I guess the rule set or whatever, and maybe some of the other stuff. But they, no, you can absolutely a... use the
1: the rule set, and in fact, the you can probably use the rules of Dungeons and Dragons in some combination because it's really hard to. To copyright rules like roll a twenty sided die. This is
0: true even in video games. Like you can't, with some notable exceptions, no one's copyrighting mechanical interactions. Yeah, I think there's only like off the top of my head for video game copyrights, the only like interactive things that I can think of that have been copyrighted are loading screen mini games, which were copyrighted like a long ass time ago. I think they're now no longer like they're considered usable or Mm -hmm. something. But like, that's why so many games have boring loading screens, because one company had the rights to have interactive loading screens. Okay. Damn, that really other... sucks. Yeah, I know. It's like this is a pretty bad one. And the other was um, like the Nemesis system, I think, in some of these Lord of the Rings games from a few years ago was copyrighted. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nobody I does see. it, though. Most mechanics aren't copyrightable or copyrighted yeah. anyway.
1: And so the advantage to having this text is, one, you can reference monsters in your in your document right so you can say oh and then if you want to like make a homebrew adv- or uh, sorry if you want to make a like a third party and publish an adventure and sell it you can reference oh and then you fight a griffin and then you fight this and then you Joey fight that. this is
0: we should be doing this now
1: we should be making adventures yeah with all that extra free time we have
0: with, with all that extra free time we have now that <laughs> you're both uh unemployed and stuff right
1: yeah yeah I definitely only have this three jobs <laughs> <laughs> and a podcast well i only a have a master's program
0: i i kind of only have like one one job but i also have a huge bottle of whiskey in, in my apartment so i'm uh, pretty busy with that fair
1: fair so this this history or this moment that we're living is actually quite reminiscent to me of what happened <coughs> with the shift to fourth edition dungeons and oh. dragons because the open gaming license was originally a thing in 3rd edition and, and right. 3.5 edition
0: and after in 2nd edition if i recall the history correctly as you if you explained it to me they pumped out like a huge amount of official product that was just yep. uh, garbage garbage so they thought okay, maybe <laughs> we'll just do this instead
1: yes <laughs> exactly and and <clears throat> and 3.0 was by far the most popular edition up to that point and then when they were gearing up to produce fourth edition, there were a couple of issues that they were trying to address. One was that some of these companies that had come out of this, like Green Ronin or Kobold Press, they looked at the Wizards of the Coast looked at this and said, "Oh, well, these seem like competition to us." And the game itself just became so bloated because everyone was producing material and more material and there was just so much saturation that they said to themselves, Well, we are going to uh, put the kibosh on that. And so they released the gaming systems license, the GSL, or the game system license, which was much more restrictive. And the big issue that people took with it was there was the poison pill clause, whereby if you start using material with the open... Or with the game system license for fourth edition, then you are waiving your right to use the open gaming license from third edition and three
0: point five. Oh, so it was a Trojan horse.
1: Exactly. And that's and perhaps tellingly, the reason that they included it like this was because they didn't think that they had the ability. They didn't think they have the rights to revoke the the original right. open
0: gaming license. I remember seeing some designer, I think who works at Paizo, but I'm not for sure, who said, like, yeah, mm-hmm. um the lawyers who are claiming they can revoke this are full of shit because I was there when <laughs> we when we passed when it. When we made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole point was that it couldn't be revoked. I mean, maybe that's like a that says something about the law though, because the law is only as good as the judge who interprets it. Exactly. It's called <laughs> legal realism, which we're not going to get into. <laughs>
1: yeah, but forget that. So there was um The community was not pleased. There was a lot of backlash, and Paizo split off and created the greatest edition of Dungeons and Dragons, which isn't even Dungeons and Dragons. It's called Pathfinder, Pathfinder. or three point seven five.
0: In what other game could you acquire four goblin wives?
1: In I in many games actually that that has almost nothing to do in with what it. What other
0: game could you f- acquire four goblin wives who leave you? Immediately when you lose a battle to their old husbands, <laughs> um,
1: I feel like we've touched a touched a nerve, Matt.
0: We have. Uh, perhaps we should save this tale of woe for another day.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you've processed your trauma.
0: That's right. Well, I mean, the events aren't yet unfolding, so who knows where this trauma will will take me?
1: Fair, fair point. So that's <clears throat> so sales plummeted with or not plummeted. Sales were not as good as. The 40 designers and Wizards of the Coast had hoped they would be. Now, some people, uh, some people will say, "Oh well, Wizards of the or Wizards of the Coast wasn't actually that upset with fourth edition. You know, it wasn't ideal, but it was. It wasn't like it was bad. Um, but then, you um, if you look at, let me just pull this up really quick." <coughs> If you look at their sales in ah. hobby shops, they, and we'll link to uh, where you can find a bit more information about this, but for the, for the several years, like from 2010 to 2013, so that's kind of like early, mid uh, 40s lifespan, Pathfinder was, Pathfinder and d d were basically switching every month about like who was selling more and D&D certainly started out in the lead, but then by 2013, Pathfinder was pretty consistently at number one as far as sales in hobby shops. Now, now Matt, I know you're looking at this this information and you're saying to me, wow, 4E was a total disaster. Not not necessarily, because that ignores, um, they had like D&D insider subscriptions, which were another source of revenue. Um, and they had a, they didn't publish the the sales online, for example. Wow! Um, but I didn't say any of that. <laughs> but but I know you were thinking it. Okay. <laughs> but what this what this does say, or what it suggests to me, is that maybe maybe Fourie didn't lose a lot of customers, or maybe they didn't. Um, it didn't do super poorly financially, and it had a you know it lasted about as long as. 3.0 and 3.5 but the issue is that it almost certainly lost a large chunk of the market share that would have been available to it to Pathfinder
0: right right, right, right. yes that makes sense so they kind of um, gave up a business dominance uh, adv- advantage that they were rolling into by doing this exactly
1: Exactly, like they had the brand, and they really squandered it. So uh. fifth edition, they returned to the OGL. <laughs> Why and not? Let's not. Let's try it again. <laughs> <laughs> and and decided, well, what if we? What if we don't give them the option to use our old Open Gaming License? We force them to use this one. Was their new plan, and that looks like it has backfired, perhaps worse. Um, but at least they had the good sense to to sort of backtrack before they like, really just tanked their their company.
0: Yeah, I mean, people will probably get over it uh, just because they didn't go through with anything. Yeah. But I do think the goodwill is a little bit squandered there, you know?
1: I would like to hope so, because I think that, you know, when this first, like, the rumors started circulating, a part of me was like, well, none of this should be surprising because it's it's Hasbro. Like, it's a massive corporation whose legal responsibility is, is first to its stockholders, and so, like, yeah, none of this is surprising to me. But I was just so blown away and impressed by the way that people organized around this and were getting ready to boycott, were canceling subscriptions en masse, were going to social media, and that... I started I flipping the over
0: cars in the, in the Walmart parking lot. I had, I had what was real. I knew what was important to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: great, great, mysterious... <laughs> um so i think that i think that you're right people will will sort of get over it but but hopefully some of the goodwill has been lost because like you know it's a it's a corporation and they don't really deserve our goodwill
0: and yeah i mean this is like a big problem with contemporary fandom stuff in general Mm -hmm. you know people love these brands or they love the product or whatever and so they they come to love the yeah the corporations in a way Mm -hmm. and you know you've got to got to keep it separate and keep a little distance there because it's not only, is it not healthy to like be in love with corporations? Um, that's a way that they manipulate you such that they can, um, do violence to the things that you loved them for in the first place without you abandoning ship. You know what I mean? So like, always keep, always keep visual for this kind of stuff. Because
1: this is this, like the D and D issue is an issue of justice. They were, Basically, trying to end the careers of of thousands and thousands of people that work in third party organizations and amass even more wealth and power for already wealthy and powerful people.
0: Joey, I was going to say something pessimistic, like these gamers all they care about are their goddamn games and they're not going to do any, they're not going to do shit for the real issues that our society is facing. But you know what? Yeah. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say something positive instead. Maybe, maybe. Maybe you, you can yeah convert this sort of like social energy into something productive in general. Give it a, you know try try getting involved in, in issues you care about. I feel like
1: I feel like you're having your cake and eating it too. <laughs> yeah, I see that. You know, like so. <laughs> you're like I'm definitely not going to say and I quote.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say that the thing that I said will not happen, and in fact, people will go out and, and do good deeds. That's what I'm hoping for.
1: Now the only last thing that I wanted to, and I know I know you're running late, Matt, to your I'm gonna I'm gonna to leave I have now. to leave in three
0: minutes.
1: <laughs> you have to leave in three minutes. Is one, I'm just going to share a couple of predictions or thoughts that I've been having is that we um, <clears throat> I predict as we, ten thousand subscribers. No, as the as the OGL, you know, is left alone, the only thing that we are looking at is that D&D is actually changing. With 1D&D, they're changing the rules and they're releasing new core rule books. That's right. So, I'm not entirely clear on what this means for the the SRD, the system reference document that's now part of the Creative Commons. Are they going to update that with the updates from 1D&D? Probably or not. Is...
0: That would, definitely not. Are you crazy? Yeah. So then the Do advantage... They want you to buy 1D&D. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So then the advantage that they they have is they want to be providing like the most up-to-date materials and the better play tested ones and the more interesting options right but that anybody else who's um who's producing third-party content is relying on the old stuff now that could mean that they have a further incentive to make sure everything is backwards compatible and a thing that they have not had in the past with previous editions but now if everybody's stuck creating content for um for the original 5th edition then are they going to um then they they may not want to create a totally new system yeah and just or just keep it
0: they could do something nefarious like say well you can make whatever you want but if you want to use it with our tabletop uh, thing which is what everyone presumably will be on in the near yes. future then we'll get some kind of rights share to it or or who knows you know yeah.
1: Well, I, I suspect that their big the big funding play is the virtual tabletop and they'll charge some absurd commission like on DM's Guild right now, 50% of your sales go to the go to Wizards of the Coast and it'll probably be something so, like absurd like that on the virtual tabletop. So they'll get their money and they'll be fine and yeah. you know, it's a massive company and this is just how it works.
0: Do you have another prediction?
1: I don't have more predictions, but I did want to I did want to take a moment and just, I know that we won, but you should, I want to recommend to the viewers that they, the listeners that they check out some other tabletop RPGs as well.
0: Yeah. I think that this has shown that it's probably good to broaden your horizon on this score.
1: Exactly. What's your favorite non-D&D TTRPG?
0: (laughs) Um, It's the Star Wars one, but I don't remember the actual name of that system. Do you have it ready to hand?
1: Uh, I have Star Wars TTRPG written in my notes.
0: Uh, well, that's the one to check out, Star Wars TTRPG. <laughs> um, we'll link it in the bio. We'll link it in the bio, or I could just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll link it in the bio. But yeah, and I, I like that system because it kind of integrates role-playing with the mechanics uh, better than D&D does, in my opinion.
1: Great. What do you think about Blades of the Dark? Another game you've been playing lately.
0: I love Blades. It's a great... Great game, especially if you're into that kind of, like, Victorian heist vibe, although there are different ways to play it. And my character, uh, Cornelius Skeltellin, the Scarecrow, the mastermind of crime, who's, like, sort of (laughs) Moriarty-esque figure. I don't know. We just have a good time.
1: Great. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, we have a good time. We we all enjoy the role-playing for that.
1: Now, I know your top favorite of all time, you said, was Star Wars, but it's actually Troika.
0: It is actually Troika. I guess I didn't think because I'm, like, my mind is... Going somewhere else as I anxiously wait to finish this.
1: Yes, I know. Okay, yeah, um, no,
0: let, you could cut that. Let me just, let me. i say Troika. Uh, <laughs>
1: Troika Troi- is the best.
0: Troika is also yeah. Troika is the best. At least the way we play it, where it's absurdist and and just it's totally like an anti game or an anti ttrpg yeah.
1: We played it trying to to ride the elevator to a party and then waiting for a train. Yeah. So uh, you can go it's back a game and to game of liminal spaces
0: go back and listen to a previous episode I forget the one but we'll put it we'll in the we'll link it box. in the bio <laughs> okay what about you Joe what's your favorite
1: so Pathfinder obviously of course, yeah. Dungeons and dragons 3.75 very complicated not a great game for beginners but we have a great time what other game could you get four goblin wives in abandoned what other
0: game, in what other game could you acquire and fu- and lose four goblin wives in a span of 90 minutes?
1: We also like Call of Cthulhu. It's much more like cosmic horror. You are not supposed to win this game. You are supposed to be confronted with horrors beyond your wildest imagination and eventually lose. And I will say one of my favorite, favorite, favorite tabletop gaming experiences was playing Call of Cthulhu when Mike was running it. That I felt like I was going crazy because he did such a great job.
0: That's that's high praise.
1: Oh, it's high praise. (laughs) Honey Heist. Another one. The best <laughs> ever.
0: <laughs> it's so, Honey yes. Heist is kind of complicated, though. It's so complex that I've been writing Honey Heist 3 for two years.
1: Yes. Yes, the Magnum Opus. Um, <laughs> it's an extremely simple game, but it has a fun like mechanic as you try and balance your bear versus criminal uh, capacities yeah. without going crazy or um, betraying your friends.
0: I mean, isn't that what we're all trying to do is balance the inner criminal with the inner bear?
1: It's kind of a it's kind of a, a meditation on the nature of humanity. I agree. I see that's why this is taking you so long.
0: That's right. I, I and then it's, finally, it's kind of like my uh, my like I have to understand myself before I can finish.
1: Mm, some people take a lifetime. Yeah. And the final game that I want to recommend is Shadow of the Demon Lord. This I is a game it. that we have not played. No one has played. But Mike just got me really into it. I was looking through the source book. And it's it's a very streamlined version of it's a streamlined game that's very similar to Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition, okay. except it's it it has a lot more customizability, but at the same time is it's a lot more streamlined than like Pathfinder. So mm. you basically just you like pick you pick three classes throughout your, your time. And so they're sort of like specialties, but you can also use them to like multi-class between like mages and warriors and stuff like that. And they have a really interesting initiative system where you choose whether you want to take a short turn where you take only one action or move, or whether you want to take a long term and take a move and an action. But then that means you go later in initiative. So instead of rolling initiative, you have to make strategic decisions about when you want to go.
0: Oh, that sounds nice because the initiative system is kind of fucking boring. It um, is. So. It is.
1: It's not the greatest.
0: Um, okay. So. Well, those are a few recommendations for you all to check out, and we hope you do that because uh, you know future's not looking bright, folks. It's gonna be shit out there. But you know what? But I'm staying optimistic. I think I think things can go really well. That was
1: the least optimistic thing to say in that context. But great.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be great. Everybody, be hopeful for. The well, have future.
1: fun with your board game, I and won't. thanks for hopping on for a quick. Uh, emergency update bonus episode following this drama, Matt.
0: Anytime, brother. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And now... You know.